I've been following a story for many years now about a lipid, a blood fat in the bloodstream that doesn't get much publicity. So we hear, you know, in the health report, we talk about cholesterol, high density lipoprotein cholesterol, low density lipoprotein cholesterol. But there's this one called lipoprotein little a. You're doing PR for it. And I'm you being PR. bankrolled by lipoprotein little a. Yeah, the lipoprotein little a industry. That's right. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I've avoided covering it to some extent because people say, well, it doesn't really mean anything. We can't, can't treat it and so on. And I was triggered by a paper last week that I read, which showed that lipoprotein little a, in its own right, independent of whether there's, you know, we talked about inflammation earlier with um, uh, small particulates, independent of inflammation in your body, lipoprotein little a was associated with serious outcomes in terms of coronary heart disease. And I thought, it's time to go back to this and look at this substance in the blood and just what's going on here. And when you actually look at the latest research, it's worrying. Let's talk about it a little more. After you've heard this conversation I had with uh, cardiologist Professor David Hare, who's got an interest in LP little a at Austin Health in Melbourne. Lipoprotein little a is involved in much development of disease in coronary arteries, but it's very rarely measured and therefore runs in the background causing a lot of serious disease, early deaths, early heart attacks, early strokes. And the majority of people who have an elevated LP little a actually have no idea that they've got it. And sometimes they've therefore got no idea why people in their family have had heart attacks with only a reasonably good cholesterol. So let's just pick apart the technical side of this a little bit so people understand it, because most people know you get the cholesterol done, you get the measure back, you get your total cholesterol, your high-density lipoprotein cholesterol, and if you've really done your research and listened to the health report, you'll know that's the good form of cholesterol. And then there's the LDL cholesterol, which is actually a mixture of cholesterols, but they're the ones that are doing the damage and which cholesterol-reducing drugs attack. Where does LP little a fit in with that picture? Well, it's not measured by any of the standard cholesterol measurements. So when you but is get... it part of the LDL-HDL story or entirely separate? You have to regard it as entirely separate, even though it's got some... LDL attached to it, but it's entirely separate. We'll come back to why it's not measured in a moment, but what does it cause? Does it cause atherosclerosis? You get clots appearing on the damaged lining, and that's what causes heart attacks and strokes. Or what? Yeah, precisely. I mean, it precisely, it does cause atherosclerosis. It does cause atherosclerosis. And there's recent data showing that LP little a is just as potent in causing atherosclerosis as the LDL cholesterol. But if you don't measure the LP little a, then you've got a hidden killer in the background, which is a disaster. Now, there's been a lot of debate about LP little a over the years. And some experts have said, or some specialists have said, well, LP little a really is something that causes inflammation in the artery, not atherosclerosis. And that's what causes the problem. People have said lots of different things over the past, and the, the story's been evolving now over 20 or 30 years. But more recently, it's become very clear that it does directly contribute to the development of atherosclerosis. And this is especially evident in recent genetic studies. LP little a is a completely independent cause of atherosclerosis, cause of heart attacks, cause of strokes, cause of earlier death, and it's about the same potency as LDL cholesterol. And if you look at it at a population level, what proportion of coronary heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, angina, 
can be attributed to LP little e? Yeah, that's a good question. We did a study at the Austin Hospital of consecutive patients coming in with heart attacks, and 50% had some elevation of LP little a. This is especially important in younger people who come in. That's more common. And where you feel, well, that cholesterol really wasn't quite high enough to cause a heart attack at such young age, the majority of those have elevated LP little a. Now, what contribution does lifestyle make? What lifestyle factors affect LP little a? LP little a is a consistent factor that's genetically driven. And if you measure the LP little a at the age of two years as an infant, and if the patients are still alive, you measure it again at the age of 80, there's no difference. It is completely impervious to any change in lifestyle. It's not affected by diet. It's not affected by exercise. It just stays there in the background. Now, some people would say the reason we don't test for it is that there's no treatment. Therefore, despite the fact that it would be interesting to know you've got LP little a elevated, there's nothing much we can do about it. Therefore, why test? At the present time, we don't have any immediately available therapies. We do, however, have genetic therapies like small interfering RNAs and antisense therapies to get into cells, which can lower the LP little a by 80 to 90%. So just to decode what you just said, overly simplifying that, it's a bit like the mRNA vaccine. You're sending RNA into the cells to change the messaging about the production of LP little a. That's right. You're sending blockers of the RNA. Do you have outcome so, uh, studies yet of those? Because, for example, you take a high-density lipoprotein. People say, well, this is good for you. Therefore, more is going to be better. And they've tried elevating HDL. And in fact, it can make people worse. Do we know that these genetic therapies reduce their risk of coronary heart disease? At the moment, we have a number of clinical outcome studies in process. We'll have the results of the first ones in three to four years. We do have other agents that can drop it by 20-30%. Very high doses of niacin, the what we call PCSK9 inhibitors, they drop it by about 30%. And we have those available, but the ones that really going to knock it on the head, we're not going to have them available for three or four years. So instead of doing that at the present time, we lower the other risk factors much more powerfully. So if you have a heart attack, for instance, your target LDL cholesterol must be below 1.4. But if you put that extra risk of a high LP little a in, then I would normally get a target LDL down to only 1.0 millimole per litre. So it's and adding it's, to the risk as little as possible. Right. So what you do is you take the other risk factors and try and minimise them to counteract the additional bad effect of the LP little a so you work harder at everything else. So who should have an LP little a test at the moment? My view is everyone should have an LP little a test. Well, so you think screening? Because, I mean, yeah. the principle of screening is you should have a cheap, accurate test with an intervention uh-huh. that's going to make a difference to the outcome. Yeah, we know that in population studies, 20% of the whole population have a significantly elevated LP little a. So it's got a very, very high prevalence. So if you've got 20% of people in the population, it should be added to a normal cholesterol or lipid screening profile. But the caveat of that... It's going to cost you 50 bucks. It's going to cost 25 to 50 bucks, which is probably the price of a fairly fatty, cheesy pizza once in your life. The other thing to remember is because it doesn't change over time, you need it done once in your lifetime. 
So my personal view is that we should do it on one single occasion when we do a lipid profile, and obviously more particularly in people with high-risk family histories and so on. And number two, we should measure it in people who have heart attacks, in people who have coronary surgery, who have stents, people who have got kidney disease, people who have diabetes. These people should all have it done because if you have diabetes and a high LP little a, you're at massive risk of early stroke and heart attack. The other thing everyone should keep in mind that it's inherited in a way where 50% of all your first degree relatives on average will have it. So if you're a parent with a high LP little a, then on average, 50% of your kids, on average, 50% of all your brothers and sisters. So if you have a family history where someone in your family's had a heart attack and the LP little a is elevated, then all first order relatives should have an LP little a measured just to know whether they have the very high risk or they don't have the very high risk. I can hear the health report audience galloping to their GP as we speak. I think they should. That's my personal view. David here, thanks for joining us. Good, thanks, Norman. David here is Professorial Fellow at the University of Melbourne and a cardiologist at Austin Health. Well, pretty scary stuff there. As you know, I'm always interested in the sort of like human evolutionary biology. Like, why has this gene survived if it's so toxic? Well, I actually asked David that because if it's so toxic that you'd think the gene would have died out. And his argument is that it doesn't just cause atherosclerosis. LP little a is also involved in blood clotting and makes the blood more clottable or stops the breakdown of, uh, of blood clots. And so the theory is that when you got speared by the tusk of a mammoth, <laughs> you were less likely to bleed out. But, uh, you know, we can't go back to that time and find that out. All right. I am curious as well about the testing side of things. And I know that there's certain groups who are looking at ways of profiling this in a way that's much more detailed than the simple kind of cholesterol tests that we currently get. Yeah, it was a fascinating study from Western Australia in the last few days, looking at multiple blood tests on a pinprick. Does that sound familiar to you? It sounds like Theranos. <laughs> yeah, so for people who don't know what we're talking about, Elizabeth Holmes, Theranos, I think there's a movie about it. Uh, certainly, she's been locked up in the slammer for it of, of massive fraud. She was frightened of a blood test, of getting a needle in her arm, and could you do it on a simple blood spot and raise lots of money? This is a similar idea. Can you, for example, get people to take the blood by themselves at home, send it in and have it tested? So this isn't doing it at home or lab on a chip. This is legitimate technology. Can you save people a trip into the pathologist to have their blood let? They can just do it at home and post it in. Yeah, I mean, this is research out of Murdoch University. We're not putting them in the same basket as the fraudulent Elizabeth Holmes, but it's not available yet. No, there's a long way to go with this testing to legitimise it, you know, validate it and so on. And then, you know, they'll have to put the health report on their payroll so that we promote it. Yeah, along with everyone else. Yeah. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.